What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Welcome back to This One's a Doozy. I'm Kevin. And I'm Haley. And we talk about stories of mystery, true crime, and folklore of the unusual, unsettling, and oftentimes unsavory goings-on of our world today, yesterday, and long ago. Boom. One breath. I did it that time. I think. Actually, I wasn't paying attention. Maybe I didn't. (laughs) I wasn't paying attention either. (laughs) We're really on it tonight. We're so on it. Yep. Oh, what are we drinking tonight? What are you drinking? I decided... To do the do. <laughs> you decided to do the do. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to do from. Gas station. The old come and go gas station. The old came and went. The old came and went. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded worse than I meant for it too. It does sound worse somehow than come and go. Yeah. I don't know how, but it does. Yeah. I'm drinking Glen Murray. <sighs> Scotch making whiskey. A, Just making a comeback. Making a comeback. Still haven't heard back yet about. <laughs> Still awaiting response on sponsorships. Yeah. One of these days, I'm hoping. Yeah. You know, you never know. So, my love, do yeah. you have a feel good fact for us today? Kevin, you know, I have a feel good okay, fact. Okay. Okay. Good. I so do. Okay. So, I don't know if you remember, but last week uh, we were talking on the Diet Love Pass episode about infrasound, and you brought up, isn't that how elephants communicate? Isn't like a similar, like low mm. tone thing? So, That's I right. looked it up. And uh, elephants do, in fact, communicate through vibrations that they absorb through their feet. Um, And I thought that was interesting, but not really feel good. So I tried to look up some more like feel goody things about elephants. And I was unsurprised to find tons of them because (laughs) elephants are incredible and I love them so much. So I picked just a couple little feel good elephant facts. So as most people probably do know, they are deeply intelligent. They're very self-aware and they have a knack for helping. Elephants have been observed countless times demonstrating things like genuine love, compassion, and loyalty. They have also been observed actually like coordinating, taking turns, helping out a fellow elephant that might be sick or injured. It's like an elephant version of setting up a meal train and like a GoFundMe or like cleaning someone's house when they're sick. It's like an elephant version of that. And (laughs) I think that camaraderie and the like compassion that's observed in elephants is real feel goody. So that is real feel goody. Yeah. I love that. Elephants are so amazing. They're just so sweet to each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you get too close to a wild elephant, they might stomp your head into the ground, but. But would they do it to each other? No, of course they wouldn't. Of course not. So I love that. Love that about them. <laughs> I just so observe they, from a distance. Are they a better society <laughs> than humans? I'm starting to think maybe. <laughs> Starting to think maybe so. Yeah, but there are all, there are also wild elephants that are like used to people hmm. um, in certain areas of the world. And they are pretty peaceful. Like they can coexist. I would just recommend against approaching one in the wild. 
right? What if we could communicate with the low vibrations like they could? What if we figured mm-hmm. out a way to do it? We could have actual ongoing conversation with elephants. That would be amazing. Let's work on that. We'll let everybody know if we can patent like yeah. a boot that a boot. emits frequencies <laughs> that are only perceptible through elephant's feet. A big old elephant shaped, elephant foot shaped <laughs> boot. Yeah. We're getting way, <laughs> way in the weeds here. Yeah, we are. Okay. I'm sorry. It's already late. I'm the, tired. The but. whole point of that was that elephants are amazing and we need to protect them. I will get off my soapbox and start my story. Are you ready? Say it again for the people in the back. <clears throat> Never mind. Don't say it again. Yes, let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to go ahead and jump right in then. On May 26th, 1990, in the affluent Arrow Club neighborhood in Wellington, Florida, 40-year-old Marlene Warren was enjoying a beautiful Memorial Day weekend hangout in her home with her then 21-year-old son, Joseph Ahrens, and a few other guests when suddenly there was a knock at the door. Marlene opened the door and was greeted by a clown with white face paint, a bright orange wig, and a big red nose holding a basket of flowers and balloons. Marlene smiled and said, oh, how pretty. Just moments before the clown, without saying a word, pulled out a gun and shot Marlene at point blank range in the face. Oh, the clown then silently and calmly walked away, climbed into their vehicle and drove off. A clown with a gun attacking a woman in her own home is a disturbing thought in its own right. But what actually happened here might be even worse. Strap in Kev. This one's a doozy. Oh my gosh. It already is. It already is. We already have tons of listeners that said, Nope. And stopped listening just now. Yep. Because <laughs> <laughs> that is their worst nightmare. Yeah, it is. So let's start with learning a little bit more about Marlene Warren. Marlene Warren was born Marlene May McKinnon on April 15th, 1950 in Mount Clemens, Michigan. From a young age, Marlene actually adored clowns. Hmm. She was a talented artist and her favorite thing to paint was clowns. What? Yeah, that they were her thing. She loved them. They made her so happy. That literally makes me think uh, right out of the gate of uh, The Good Place. Yeah. Where she has her clown paintings nook. of clowns. Yeah. <laughs> I love, I do love clowns. Marlene, Marlene painted all those clowns. Mm-hmm. She would have loved the clown nook. She would have. Yes. So just sidebar, can you imagine something that you truly love deeply being weaponized against you? I'll talk more about this later because it actually makes me so sad when we learn more about this story. So when Marlene was either 17 or 18, she married her first husband, John Aarons, and they had two sons together, John Jr. and Joseph. Their marriage would only last two years, however, and Marlene would eventually move on and get remarried to a man named Mike Warren. The Warrens were pretty busy people doing what they could do to afford their beautiful home in their upscale neighborhood, which featured properties that all backed up into a private runway for planes. Oh. Yeah, it was like real nice. They owned and operated a used car and rental business called A Bargain Motors, and they owned several rental properties in West Palm Beach. They also owned an airplane and racehorses. So they were doing okay. Wow. Mike and Marlene were a great team as parents to the two boys, and it sounds like all was well with them for a good while. But sadly, Marlene's son, uh, John Jr., passed away in a car accident in 1988. It was this incident that began the fracture between Mike and Marlene. Mm. Marlene was crushed, obviously. Right. But Mike was not there to be supportive of her or Joseph as they grieved their terrible loss. Everywhere that talked about this part of Marlene's life made sure to say that despite her own heartbreak over losing her son, and despite things between her and her husband becoming rocky, she was still a really great and present parent Mm. to her other son, Joseph. 
In an interview that he did with 48 Hours, he said of his mother, she was my everything. Oh, man. Yeah, that interview, I think everybody should watch it. I'm going to link it because yeah. it was it's a really good and concise retelling of this story. Hmm. And just getting to see people who knew her and loved her yeah. talk about her is really moving. So I recommend it highly. Yeah. All right, so let's jump back into where our story began. So the moment that Marlene was shot, her son actually thought that the sound was a balloon popping. When Marlene fell over, though, Joseph, who actually had a broken leg at the time, and all the guests who were there, ran to the door to try and help Marlene. Poor Joseph even tried to take after the clown with his broken leg to try to stop them from getting away. Oh, man. Yeah, it's really sad. Uh, But the only thing that he was able to swing was getting the clown to turn around. At this point, the clown never spoke, by the way, through this entire ordeal, never said a word. Hmm. So when the clown turned around, he noticed that on top of the clown disguise that the person who had just shot his mother had dark brown eyes. Hmm. So that's a little something. Yeah. Uh, With the clown garb, it wasn't even really possible for him to tell if the shooter was a man or a woman. One strange detail that he noted was that there seemed to be no urgency coming from the shooter. They just casually walked up casually shot somebody in the face, casually walked away and didn't like peel out when they were driving away. They just drove off. Just drove away. Like very strange. Wow. It didn't seem to match the behavior of what had actually just happened. You know, the the implications of what just happened should have been they're sprinting. There's some urgency. Trying to run away. Hide themselves, not get caught, whatever. Very weird. So Joseph and a friend who had been there at the time of the shooting hopped into their car and followed the shooter, but eventually lost track of the car. So they just had to turn around and go home. Right. While all of this was happening, a neighbor happened to have been walking his dog at the time of the shooting and knew that something was terribly wrong, so quickly called the police. By the time that Joseph got home, the ambulance was already there and first responders were working on Marlene. She was taken to the hospital in extremely critical condition where they discovered that she had a bullet lodged in her spinal cord. They put her on life support and did all that they could to try and treat her. Yeah. Um, As soon as he gave his statement to police, Joseph rushed to be by her side. Uh, After Mike gave his statement to police, he joined Joseph at the hospital. In the meantime, with very little information to go off of about the crime itself, local police put out what's called a be on the lookout or BOLO alert. Okay. But they put it. They had to put it out on a brown-eyed person in a clown costume. Oh, like that, that's all they that's had. All they had. Yeah. Right. That really sucks. Wildly enough, three hours after the shooting, police received an anonymous phone call from a female caller telling police they should look into Marlene's husband, Mike. Hmm. Mike happened to have been on a road trip with friends heading to a racetrack in Miami at the time of the shooting. But even though he had an alibi, police would keep him on their radar. Right. The caller had also given police another name. Sheila Keen. Sheila Keen was a 26-year-old single mother who worked at a bargain motors, uh, the business that the Warrens owned together. She was a repossession agent. Working in repo could be dangerous, so Sheila obviously had to be somewhat gutsy. Mm. She had also told coworkers that she did carry a gun with her and that the gun was a 38 that she shared with her now estranged husband. Also, many of the coworkers were certain that Mike and Sheila were having an affair. Or at the oh. very least, they all agreed that their relationship was like inappropriately close. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Coworkers also noted that Mike was a nice enough guy, but he was extremely hard to work for. Not only was he a bit disorganized, but he was very vocal about any mistakes that anybody made. 
and was like really harsh oh, wow. in how yeah. he corrected those mistakes. Um, there was plenty of testimony from Sheila's neighbors saying that Mike was at her apartment so regularly, like all hours, day or night, that they actually thought that the two were married. Oh, yeah, wow. not so good. No. But it turns out only two weeks before the shooting, not only had Marlene told Joseph, who was living with his parents at the time, that they, the two of them would pack up and leave soon, but she also told her mother, Shirley, that if something was to happen to her, it was definitely Mike who did it. She had also told Shirley she believed Mike may have been having an affair. Despite multiple witness testimony from neighbors and coworkers, police still had a lot of work to do. Right. One day after the shooting, police brought Sheila Keen in for questioning. They asked her if she had been having an affair with Mike, and uh, she denied the affair, saying that they were just friends and coworkers. She also gave an alibi for the time of the shooting. Sheila claimed that she was out doing her job repossessing cars, but when they asked her which cars she was out repossessing, she couldn't remember, which, like, sure, Jan. Like, (laughs) I don't believe... Okay. Back at the hospital, sometime after Mike and Shirley had arrived, uh, they made the incredibly difficult decision to take Marlene off of life support. Within a few minutes, Marlene passed. This was May 28th, 1990, which was two days after the shooting took place. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody ever wants to be in the position to have to take someone that you love off of life support, but just really feel, just really feel for them. Yeah. Uh, Medical staff performed a surgery to remove the bullet from Marlene's spinal cord after she had passed, noting that the bullet came from a 38. With Mm. Marlene's death, the investigation now turned to a homicide investigation. Right. So they... As, as we know, they didn't have much to go on. They had a brown-eyed person in a clown, a clown costume. They were able to identify the car as a white Chrysler LeBaron. There was some suspicious but possibly circumstantial evidence involving the victim's husband, the bullet that the surgeon removed from Marlene's body, and then the flowers and balloons that the clown had brought were actually left at the scene. Hmm. So investigators began with canvassing nearby grocery stores and specialty shops in hopes of potentially tracking down someone who had bought flowers, balloons, or a costume that matched the description. Yeah. Believe it or not, shortly into their search, police got a hold of a costume shop called Spotlight Costume Shop. They asked if anyone had recently purchased a clown costume that matched the description. Mm. Orange wig, clown suit, face paints, big red nose. Yeah. Turns out that two days before Marlene was shot, a woman had come in and purchased these exact items. They said she seemed like she was in a bit of a hurry. She came in shortly before close, and they had actually asked her if she minded coming back the next day, but she told them no, that she had to get this costume right now. Oh, geez. Yeah. She actually had specifically asked to see the clown costume. She grabbed her stuff and went to pay at the counter using a $100 bill. After asking if this makeup would be thick enough to completely cover up her skin so that nobody could see what her skin looked like. Oh. Which is suspicious. Super suspicious. It's a weird question to ask. I don't feel like somebody who's not about to commit a crime would ask that. Right. Yeah. So far, there's a lot of questions that are being begged, but keep keep going before we talk about (laughs) those questions. Yes. Okay. So the costume shop workers also gave police a description of the woman. Long chocolate brown hair and brown eyes. So police showed the workers a lineup of photos and the workers tentatively pointed to a photo of Sheila Keen as the woman who had come into the store. So one of them was not quite sure, but they were both like, yeah, I think so. Looks like her. Uh, So that's something. The next lead that they followed up on was the balloons and the basket of flowers. 
So whoever had purchased these balloons and flowers was not very bright. They purchased two very specific balloons. <laughs> Easy to remember. Yeah. One was a balloon with Snow White and the Seven Dwarves on it. Okay. And the other one said, you're the greatest. <laughs> they also purchased a bouquet of red and white carnations. Again, I know it's Memorial Day weekend that these flowers were bought, right. but like still pretty specific. Right. So they were able to quickly narrow down where these balloons and flowers were purchased. They were purchased at a Publix grocery store less than a half mile from Sheila's home, and they were purchased two hours before the shooting took place. So they mm, were fresh. Super fresh. Yep. When Publix employees were questioned about these very specific and easy to remember purchased items, they said the customer was a young woman with long brown hair and brown eyes. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah. Things are not looking good for Sheila. Right Things now. are not looking good for Sheila. So obviously the investigation was pretty zeroed in on her as the primary suspect. They also had suspicions that Mike was somehow involved, um, at least with scheming up the plan. Right. Because think about it. If he divorced Marlene, like you would hope somebody would do in this scenario, um, she would get half of everything, which right. would mean a major lifestyle change. Totally. For everybody. So- the, there was motive there. Yeah. But all the evidence that they had to go off of so far was still pretty circumstantial and you can't arrest somebody for having an affair. So mm. four days after the shooting took place, the police got a major break in the case. They found a white Chrysler LeBaron that had been abandoned in a Winn-Dixie supermarket, which was only eight miles from the Warrens' home and less than 10 miles away from Sheila's apartment. They got into the vehicle and one of the first things they found were these little orange fibers, mm -hmm. like, I don't know, orange synthetic hair from a clown wig, maybe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Just maybe. Pretty yeah. specific again. Right. So they found those same fibers on the string from one of the balloons left at the scene. Mm -hmm. Police also discovered long strands of brown hair. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> This was sort of the break, sorry, this was the sort of break that they needed in order to get a search warrant for Sheila's apartment. Yeah. And so they got that and headed on over. Wow. Yeah. So when they got to Sheila's apartment, they found orange synthetic fibers on clothes and shoes in her home. They also spoke with her estranged husband who told them that he and Sheila had owned a 38, but that Sheila had recently misplaced it. Oh, geez. Hmm. Where did oh. I put that old, that old thing? Like, yeah, yeah right. So police sent all of these samples that they'd taken from the car and the apartment off to the lab. Mm -hmm. When the lab received and examined the orange fibers and hair samples that the police had found, they were able to determine that they were, quote, similar. Mm. So DNA testing was pretty new at that time, you know, 1990. Yeah. And so when they ran all the tests, the results came back as inconclusive. So even though there was a lot of compelling evidence, prosecutors knew that they didn't really have enough to definitively prove that right. Sheila had committed the crime. And so she still was out walking free. Mm -hmm. They did discover that the LeBaron that they had found was reported as stolen a month prior to Marlene's death. Mm. So, okay, this story is a little bit confusing. So bear with me for sure. a second. So a couple had rented the LeBaron from a car rental business called Payless. When they went to return the car, they accidentally called Bargain Motors, owned by the Warrens, mm -hmm. because of an ad that Mike had taken out for the business. So he put out this ad, and some speculate he purposely put the word as a single word, Payless, with mm -hmm. no spaces, because Payless was a potential like 
competitor oh, sure, in the business. Sure. So that's it's pretty speculative that he did this on purpose, but I've seen it enough to at least point that out. So anyways, this couple who had rented the car, the Restivos, called a bargain motors and asked about returning the car. Yeah. An employee who was not named took the call and told them to leave the car in the Payless parking lot. They said to leave the keys in the visor and that they'd take it from there. Wow. So more sketchy than this, Mike and Sheila had actually had another Bargain Motors employee named Claude Poitras drive them to the Payless parking lot after hours. Mm -hmm. Claude said that he saw Mike and Sheila get into the car and drive off after being told not to say anything about what just happened to anybody. Don't mention the car. Don't mention you brought us here. Oh. Don't mention that we drove off in this car. Okay. Yeah. So it's pretty obvious that assuming that Claude's account was accurate, that Sheila and Mike had access to what police believed had become the getaway car. Yeah. Sheila denied ever being in the car, despite the car they had searched, had all of that evidence with the orange fibers and the long brown hair. Right. Matching what was in her apartment or similar, at least to what was in her apartment. But anyways, uh, it was Claude's testimony that allowed police to obtain a search warrant for bargain motors. Unfortunately, all they have for evidence on Mike at this point was either circumstantial or hearsay since Claude couldn't technically prove that this whole incident went down like he said it did. Right. So anyways, back at Bargain Motors, they found pretty much nothing that they could use to tie Mike or Sheila further to Marlene's murder. But they did find plenty of evidence linking Mike to fraud. So Mm. they arrested him on a ton of different charges from racketeering, conspiracy, grand theft, and a bunch more. Oh, so a wow. long list. Yeah. So that dude was already guilty of, of something. Tons of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which doesn't necessarily mean he's a murderer or right. part of a murder, but right. still but just, I mean, just the same, like doesn't look criminal. Great. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it doesn't look solid for him. But while all of this was going on, there was a battle for Marlene's estate going on between Joseph and Mike. And unfortunately, Mike knew the ropes on how to fight for this sort of thing. So poor Joseph was left with almost nothing. Yeah. He lost his mom and just about everything else. So we're going to fast forward two years. It was time for Mike to stand trial for the fraud charges. He was found guilty of fraud and ended up serving almost four years in prison. Meanwhile, Marlene's murder case was still open, but Mm -hmm. but had gone cold due to the fact that the well of evidence just ran dry. Yeah. They never found the gun used in the crime. They never found the clown suit and they didn't have enough on Mike or Sheila to prove that they were involved beyond a reasonable doubt. (gasps) Years go by years. Yeah. The case would remain cold until 2013. Oh my gosh. 23 years after Marlene's murder. But before I tell you about that, it's worth looking into what Mike and Sheila were up to during this time because they were busy. It turns out the two had not only owned and operated a business together called the Purple Cow, which was a burger joint with the slogan, quote, it's utterly delicious, which I hate. I do too. (laughs) They settled down in Kingsport, Tennessee. They owned a weekend getaway property in Virginia. And not only that, but they also got married in 2002. Oh, good for them. Isn't that great? That's so great for them. When they got married, Sheila didn't only change her last name, but she also changed her first name to Debbie and dyed her hair blonde. So they relocated, started a whole new life, got married, changed names. Yeah. The whole bit. Oh, weird. Very strange. So Mike and Debbie were actually beloved in their neighborhood. Like everybody loved them. Yeah. They were social and neighbors all said that they were pleasant and giving. 
Employees at the Purple Cow enjoyed their work enough, but said that the new Warrens, I guess, were hard to work for. Mm. Mike was very vocal about anyone who made a mistake. So he carried that from his days at the Bargain Motors. Didn't didn't change character flaws, obviously. (laughs) He just (laughs) held on to those. Employees referred to both Mike and Debbie as, quote, aggressive and mean. There was also an extremely interesting rumor that began floating around the Purple Cow. The rumor was that Debbie had killed Mike's ex-wife. And not only that, but that she dressed up as a clown when she committed the murder. I just want to know how the heck that rumor came Uh, to be. Me too. Like, who looked into their past enough to know that, especially with Sheila's name change? Right. Meanwhile, the cold case unit in West Palm Beach was not sleeping on the job. Palm Beach County Sheriff Rick Bradshaw and lead detective Paige McCann were on the case. Hmm. They were certain that there was more information out there that that they could find. It was in 2013 that they busted out the file for Marlene Warren's case and got busy. They started with calling old witnesses, including Joseph's friend who was there at the time of the shooting, the employees from the costume shop, and a co-worker from Bargain Motors. Yeah. As soon as they reviewed the case files, they realized that some items from evidence needed to be retested. Since DNA evidence was present in the car and at Sheila's home, and considering all the advancements made in DNA research, they Mm. decided to run the human hair samples found in the car and the apartment. Yeah. While this was going on, Mike and Sheila, and I'm just going to call her Sheila again because I feel like I'm playing some like bizarro game. If I cave and call her Debbie, it doesn't feel right. Yeah. So Mike and Sheila had actually sold the purple cow in 2016 and retired to go live full time in their lake house community. Hmm. They were really thinking that they could just go on and mosey, mosey their way on into retirement and pretend like nothing ever happened. And I guess allegedly nothing did up till this point that we know of. So in 2017, DNA results had come in and it turns out that the hairs in the car and the hairs in Sheila's apartment were a perfect match. (sighs) So uh, on the 48 hours that I watched, detectives wouldn't disclose what the evidence was that they say is like the nail in the coffin for Sheila. But then other sources say that the DNA testing was on the hair and it was a perfect match. Yeah. Instead of similar how it came back, like how it came back in the 90s. Okay. okay. I, I thought it was important to share. They they yeah. might, the detectives might have more than that, that they're just not willing to share until the case is finished or whatever. Right. But uh, I thought that was important to share. Yeah. Well, and it, it does, it does point out the fact that the advancements are significant yes. over the course of that chunk of time. Yes. So of, of course what is similar in the nineties could be any array of similar or exact mm-hmm. today. Totally. Or seven years ago, whatever, you know, 10 years ago. Totally. So with this new evidence, Sheila was arrested on a first degree murder charge. News of Sheila's arrest was met with very different reactions People like Joseph and his friends were relieved, but sad still about what happened. Sheila's mother surely smiled and called it vengeance. (laughs) She's awesome. She talks in that interview. Uh, Coworkers from the Purple Cow were shocked. Neighbors in the Lake House community seemed to be in total denial. Yeah. Everything I saw from their like most recent neighbors was really strange. Like these people were in denial they would be asked like pointed questions and they'd be like oh never and there was like this glazed look over their eyes i'm like are you okay (laughs) are you all right they just like smiled in their interviews and skirted around all of the questions so Hmm. anyways she was arrested near the warren's home and was extradited to palm beach where she was promptly charged with first degree murder with a firearm and she was denied bail which is 
So satisfying. Oh, that is good. She wasted no time in hiring a defense attorney, and she's actually still awaiting trial to this day. Initially, they were seeking the death penalty, but the prosecution told the judge they don't wish to seek the death penalty. Her trial has been delayed six different times for various reasons. Her most recent trial was delayed because her defense was having a hard time finding witnesses. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> her defense pushed back against the charges, saying that the evidence is circumstantial at best. And given the time elapsed from the time of the crime until now, the problem of finding witnesses that would be like willing and able to testify is hard because it's been right. 30, almost, yeah. you know, 40 People, years at that point. Yeah, Memories are fading. Sorry, 30 years older. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's a long time. So the trial was actually set to begin June 3rd of this year. And it's expected to be delayed for another four months or so. Mike remains in the lake house in Virginia, and he still swears up and down that not only did he have nothing to do with Marlene's death, but that Sheila also had nothing to do with Marlene's death. I really have a hard time believing anything that he says, but maybe that's just me. (laughs) It's worth noting that investigators still believe that Mike had something to do with it, and he still remains a person of interest. There are about a million motives this guy had to have Marlene killed. He could have wanted the estate to himself. He was obviously having an affair with Sheila, so getting rid of Marlene could have been his ticket out of one life and into another, which is exactly what happened. Sure, yeah. If you think about it, you know, that's exactly, he got what he wanted. He got to live the dream. Yeah. So they got away with this for almost 30 years. Marlene was murdered at her home, and they get to just go and chase the dream. Yeah. Joseph had a rough go. Uh, It's really crushing to consider everything that this poor guy went through. He lost his brother and his mother within two years of each other, and he lost even more than that. After his mother's murder, Mike basically took everything, like I said. Yeah. And uh, as far as assets go, um, but he also fell into struggles with drugs and alcohol. Oh, no. Joseph. Poor Joseph. Uh, He's doing better now, thankfully. He got married. He did get divorced, uh, but he relocated to Iowa where things sort of began looking up for him. Yeah. really just struggled and suffered through decades of loneliness and pain. But it was when he thought of his mother and what she would want for him that he became more motivated than ever to work through his pain. He said, quote, she would want me to carry on. She would want me to do the best I could, you know, just try to get happiness in my life. Mm. End quote. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Sweet Joseph. He worked his butt off and eventually opened his own construction company that seems to be doing well. He credits his knowledge and skill partially to his mom He said that anytime there was a problem in any of the rental homes that uh, his family had owned, he would go with her and either watch her do the repairs or she would have him watch what any contractors were doing if they contracted someone to do the repairs. She encouraged him to watch and learn and had workers explain to Joseph what they were doing. So Hmm. that was a sweet thing I just wanted to include. That's sweet. Joseph remains hopeful that justice will be served. He, He honestly, he deserves it more than anybody else. Like- I would love to see this case go down in a way that makes all of this make sense to him a little bit, just a little bit of justice here. Yeah. Marlene's mother, Shirley has a room in her home that she calls the clown room. It's full of clown figurines and more notably paintings of different clowns that Marlene had painted. (laughs) These are actually really cool. I'll share at least one of them on the Instagram because Marlene was super talented. Wow. Uh, It's really sad, though. She looks at the different clowns and they each offer her like a different comfort because they all have like different Mm. facial expressions and stuff. Yeah. Um, The sad clown reminds her of the pain and grief of losing her child. The clown with a slight grin reminds Shirley to hang in there because things will get better. (laughs) 
The serious face <laughs> clown reminds her to remain determined that everything will work out and be okay. She says, I don't hate clowns. I just hate one. Yeah. Oh, and that's, wow. That's where we're at. Wow. So, okay. So we are, this is our first, our first uh, case that is still uh, in the Ongoing. Hopper. Yeah. In the ongoing. hopper is better. That That's yeah. a better term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so obviously there's a few things that I'm sure we shouldn't say just because there's nothing conclusive. Allegedly. Yeah. There's a lot of allegedly, <laughs> allegedly's going on around here, but also just the little bit of, of evidence that is stacked up here. Mm-hmm. I feel like. What what frustrates me the most is the fact that at best, someone other than Mike and Shirley, Sheila, Sheila yeah. someone other than uh, someone other than Mike and Sheila has just gotten away with it and is loose and set free. And no one knows any details except for the fact that this person had clear inside knowledge into Marlene's life, which is also horrifying. And at worst, it was a vindictive move by a cheating husband and his mistress. Mm-hmm. And I'm just kind of like, like, I feel gross. I <laughs> you, know. you know, it's like, oh, this is like a gross story. Like, I'm yeah. I'm upset about that. Yeah. And yeah, like, like, because there, there is no, oh, but like, maybe this, this other thing will come out of it. Like. Literally, there is no positive spin to this story. No, there's not. The only positive thing you can say is that Joseph is hopefully doing pretty well for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's but, healing. And he's healing. But I'm sure that that's not, that, that, that is also ongoing, mm-hmm. obviously. Yeah. So. Yeah, this one's a real mm, bummer. This is a real bummer. This one is a real bummer. I think that one of the most, I don't know, one of the most gutting things about this is that Whoever, whoever committed this crime obviously knew that Marlene loved clowns, that they yeah. were her thing. Yeah. And they used that against her to like put her guard down. Yeah. Because her son said her last words were, oh, how pretty. <sighs> she was delighted at whoever this was surprising her. Yeah. Some people speculated that she thought, she must have thought it was like a gift from Mike since things had been being you know, pretty things had been rough for a while with them yeah. since the other son had passed away mm. that like, she was like, Oh my goodness. So the fact that whoever it was had to have had insider knowledge to know that that's something that she cared about. Right. But where's the motive? <sighs> like looking around at different coworkers yeah. and stuff that she had regular interactions with. Nobody really had anything bad to say about her. Right. You know, everybody well, seemed to really love her. Yeah. That's the thing is it's, it's, it's a, it's a murder in cold blood, mm-hmm. no matter what, how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Like there wasn't, uh, w- once again, best case scenario, some random person that just happened to know enough about her to dress up like a clown showed, showed up to her house and just murdered her in cold blood. Mm hmm. That's the best case scenario here. Right. That's really. And that's awful. Thanks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> thanks a lot, Haley. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> uh, yeah. This one's a bummer. I know that it's not like all that mysterious. It's It doesn't quite have like the, I don't know, 
this feels like a weird word to use, but like whimsy of the first couple stories that we've done Yeah, where they're so bizarre and weird. But I just think that this one, the level of, of how personal yeah. this felt. And, you know, I, I think that everybody assumes that the same person is guilty. Yeah. Um, I'm a big fan of not getting sued, so I'm not going to make That's, a claim that someone's yes, guilty until yes. we get a ruling one way or the other. But yeah, I think that the, there was something about this one that it, it felt so strangely personal that it, it, it just, it's disturbing in its own special way when it feels that personal. Yeah. So yeah. Well, and now, now I feel like we have, now that we are discussing this, mm-hmm. I feel like we're putting it on the table for people to pay attention to, mm-hmm. knowing that there's upcoming trials and, you know, all that. Like, this is this is a worthwhile one to maybe circle back to at some point for us yeah. when something does come up. I have alerts actually set in my phone for when more things about this topic are talked about or whatever. Yeah. So we're going to see, I mean, as long as the stuff with the trial stays on track, yeah, we're looking at four months from now, we could be getting the the beginning of the trial. So yeah. Yeah. And, and if that happens, expect updates from me when I see an actual date posted, I'll tell you guys. And if there's anything that the public can do, then I'll definitely share whatever resources there are when it, when it comes that time, if it comes that time, because yeah. it feels like being delayed six times is no, I mean, and there was COVID and there right. was all of the other things that right. kind of hindered it from happening, but I'm hoping that they can get whatever witnesses that they need and just move on with this yeah. and take care of it. Yeah. We've got to, we've got to put the nail in the coffin, so to speak sometime. Right. This one doesn't have to be a cold case forever. Right. So. Yeah, Exactly. And if they find her, if they find Sheila not guilty, then fine. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. whatever. But at least we would, if she was able to be proven as not guilty and it was like, oh, she mm-hmm. really actually mm-hmm. was repossessing cars that day or whatever. Yeah. Then at least we'll, we'll know. And, right. and you know what I mean? So right. anyway, now I'm just rambling, but that's okay. No, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm on, I'm on the same page on the same wavelength as you. <sighs> Well, listeners, thanks for listening to the unusual, unsettling, and unsavory story today that will be coming back around, I'm sure, at a point in the near future. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe and leave a glowing five-star review. Um, also, you can follow us on all socials at This One Is A Doozy on everything except for Facebook. That one is the official name, This One's A Doozy Podcast. And uh, you can also email us. What should they be emailing us? They should be emailing us at this one is a doozy at gmail.com. We'd love to get recommendations. We actually have gotten some recommendations in the email and I am so pumped up about it. So thank you so much to people who've already sent recommendations. Please feel free. If there's a story you want to hear us talk about, send it our Mm -hmm. way. I'll look into it. Um, And if you have any personal stories, uh, if, if you've seen Bigfoot, I've said this every week. If you've seen Bigfoot, I've got to know. Yeah. Please tell me. If there's a ghost living in your attic, I I want to know his name, just or her name. Everybody's yeah. everybody's welcome at this table. So yes. anyway, yeah, just send it send it my way. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for another doozy. Bye.
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.